Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee here. As I always say, we're nearing the end. You know, the wait is almost over and today we're discussing the wait. Uh, this is episode 154. If you enjoy the show and you want to give back to the show as many ways you can do that, you can go onto iTunes and leave us a positive review. You can go onto Patreon as well and help to support us. Episodes, episodes like this and the compilation episodes and all the top tens and stuff like that go on the Patreon first. Uh, hit me up, MetallicaPod at German.com, at MetallicaPod. Also on the Twitter, one of the things that I always do on the Twitter is ask for your feedback on the songs as we get to them. Got some great tweets to read out at the end of the episode. Uh, you know, Spotify is there, all the other platforms. Go back through the archive. Today I'm joined by someone, you know, who I've really had the pleasure of getting to know. He is an ardent fan of this music and a great supporter, Alf Metallica. You know, I've had him on the show before as well. Ralph, how's it going? Oh, it's going great, man. How are you? Very well. I saw you were recently on a robe for Ghost. You looked pretty uh, satanic there. (laughs) Yeah, um, we went to Ghost on Thursday. And it was actually not all that far from me because it was at the Cavelli Center, which is only about maybe 20 minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. So that's always a wonderful thing because I'm usually traveling about an hour and a half to go to a show. And how was the concert? The concert was excellent. It definitely, I think it exceeded what I was expecting. So that's always good. And another thing, you know, on Twitter, I saw you posting, you were counting down to when you were seeing Iron Maiden. And you went through like every yes. record, is that right? Before you actually saw them live. I most certainly did, and I think I went through every work record maybe twice before I went to see him. Damn. Yeah, that was a show I actually brought my uh, daughter to. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first time that either one of us had seen the band, so... Wow. And she had an excellent time, and so did I, because they definitely put on a good show, too. Yeah, I've seen a bit of it on YouTube. Um, is it like Aces High or Where Eagles Dare kicks us off with a big spitfire? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah they it, it kind of like kind of moves around the stage a little bit you know mm-hmm. adds to the theatrics a whole bunch for sure so today we're covering the weight which is off you know of course originally the 598 ep and then coming back on garage inc and you know kind of almost a forgotten song a little bit which we'll get to but um ralph at the time you know i know you've been a fan for a while did you pick this up when it came out you know august 87 the ep or uh, that actually took me probably a year, maybe two or three to find. Uh, it seemed like it was a a hard thing to uh, to pick up where I was for some reason, even though I was in New Jersey, which, you know, is close to New York and we seem to have everything over there. Um, but I did finally find a copy after a while uh, at my local indie record store, which it was uh, is called Vintage Vinyl and it's still there. It's in Forge, New Jersey. And... Um, I found uh, a Mercury Records copy, hmm. uh, so I'm not sure if that was the normal uh, pressing of it or what, but it was on CD. And do you remember, you know, it was a long time ago, I appreciate, but did the weight stand out for you as you listened and re-listened? You know, because a lot of people do say maybe it's one of the more forgotten tracks on the EP, if there can be a forgotten track on a five-song release. Yeah, uh, well, that song... To me, it stands out. I really like it. Uh, it's a good time. <laughs> and are you a fan of Killing Joke at all? Because, you know, like so many bands that Metallica deal with when they cover them, you know, they kind of dredge them, no offense to them, out of obscurity into the spotlight. Killing Joke are pretty lauded. I, I myself didn't know them much. Have you listened at all to their records? Or I, until recently, I hadn't actually listened to them very much at all. Uh, I've listened to 
this song and the album it's off of, which is their self-titled album, yeah, uh, quite a bit recently. So just to do a little studying. But other than that, I hadn't really listened to them too much until now. And I mean, it should be worth saying, Killing Joke, uh, you know, they formed in the late 70s. They're from Notting Hill, actually. Uh, you know, pro- it's weird to think the Hugh Grant film existing in the same space as Killing Joke, because they are quite a you know, very aggressive industrial band, hugely influential band as well. Um, you know, Soundgarden would cover them. Um, Nirvana, Nine Inch Nails would cite them as uh, massive influences. Apparently, Faith No More were all giant fans. Uh, James actually picked Coleman, uh, the singer of Killing Joke uh, as one of his favourite singers of all time uh, that's being Jazz Coleman Dave Grohl played on one of their later records played drums on a 2003 release so um, you know fair to say Ralph these aren't really a budgie like Killing Joke are kind of quite a serious name yeah they're definitely a serious name Trent Reznor as well um, you know stated that they were a big influence Marilyn Manson you know the list goes on and on really uh, apparently uh, James Murphy of LCD Sound System uh, sampled some of their music on the debut single of theirs Losing My Edge which is a great song so uh yeah they reverberate through and getting into this track then uh i love the way it opens with that fog of dissonant feedback that kind of on off switch which is just the hammering on the e and then the thundering riff clattering in like what what do you make of this intro um well at first i couldn't figure out what that droning was i wasn't sure if it was bass or guitar uh on the original version anyway yeah now i'm i'm Metallica's version, it's obviously Kirk playing it, but um it's it's a cool sound. <laughs> yeah. But they were doing a lot of stuff. It seems like Killing Joke was ahead of their time anyway, because they were doing stuff that sounded like ministry before ministry was doing that sort of Absolutely. thing. Yeah, and the, the, you know this beginning really does work because that riff comes in, dum bum ba bum ba bum ba bum ba 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 ba, and in many ways, you know, I'm not saying that they invented this type of riff, but the fact that this comes out in 1980 before all the thrash stuff, it's a real proto thrash riff, isn't it? The open chugging resolved into that little gnarled melody, that splattering of notes, going back into the chug again and again and again, really effective and heavy. Well, for sure it is. It plays through the whole song, you know. It, it, it's there and there again, and like so many Metallica riffs, so many Hetfield riffs, you you can just listen to it over and over. It doesn't really get boring. It almost gets more powerful as it goes on. Yeah, I agree with you there, a hundred percent. It's a great riff. And you know, throughout the track, the mix is interesting. So, you know, most people will remember on the credits of Five Night Eight EP, it's not very produced by Metallica, and it totally does have this, you know cost under six dollars to record kind of idea in a garage and part of that comes from the burbling of jason's bass which is very noticeable amongst the murk of the song there's always notes sticking out isn't there oh yeah his bass uh on this song and all the, the rest of the album is just it really stands out it's uh I guess they gave him a brief moment to shine before uh, they kind of turn him down on the next album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the that's always the fly in the ointment for me about the whole Jason, you know, was turned down on just... And, you know, that this has been spoken to death and kind of mourned through Cliff whatever. But they did, you know, give him a real big showing here. And he does sort, oh, of, yeah. you know, he just sort of clunk around and some of it's almost clumsy to me. Not, not in a kind of dissonant way, but just, you know, it serves the song, but it's still kind of burbling and bumbling. And, you know, for me, it's all about the main riff. The, the, the riff is irresistible. The riff is, you know, funky and groovy. Yeah, at the same time, a real, real sledgehammer that reasserts itself. And then we go into the verses 
Um, James's vocals, let's just talk about the sound of his voice, first of all. It's through like a, you know, a vocoder of sorts. It's quite hard to decipher. Yeah, they, they use some sort of effect on the vocals. It almost gives it like a, a kind of an industrial feel, mm. which isn't uh, a usual thing you hear in Metallica songs. No, certainly not yet. It does it does stand out. They were doing a lot of um, experimentation throughout this EP and as they were progressing. And, you know, it should be saying in terms of the lyrics. So the song is about Earth's destruction um, due to poll- pollution and neglect. And there was an interview with the lead singer mentioned before, Jazz Coleman, who said, quote, The song was written after we played up in the north of England and we saw this river that was so polluted. It had detergent floating down it and there was dead fish everywhere. I'll never forget it. It was just heartbreaking. And obviously later in the song, there is the, the lyric, I look at the river, white foam floats down. Uh, apparently the band are really into fishing as well. And that's part of the reason it uh, affected them so much. But um, just in terms of the imagery, you know, it's kind of kind of blackened-esque, isn't it? Where it's uh, apocalyptic, es- eschatological kind of ideas. Yeah, it does have that like uh, post-nuclear war kind of feel to yeah. it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, which just compounds the kind of industrial feel of the track. And it's you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of snatches of lyrics. It's um, you know, masks decay, the body's poisoned, then more instructional stuff like gotta sit tight and uh, mutant thoughts are conjured as well. Like you know, I really like the lyrics. I really like the whole song, to be honest with you. The chorus, you know, very simple, very anthemic. The way that, that's all you're really getting. It's the name of the song said four times. Yep, that's it. W- w- does it work for you? The chorus? Do you like it? Uh, yeah, it works for me. Fine. Yeah, I don't mind it at all. It's a big sing along, you know, um, and yeah, it should be makes it a big. One. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I watched quite a few of the live performances of this song. The song's been played uh, twenty five times, so you know, a fair few times for something that's again one of more neglected uh, of their covers, and, and you know, really, really uh, intense cover. But yeah, when they played it at Mexico City on the DVD release. I don't know if you've seen that, but the crowd are what I mean, the crowd are wild for every song over there, but they, they seem to really dig this Killing Joe song. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, I've seen that too. I actually have that sitting up on a shelf uh, in my living room. Uh, the, that is a fantastic show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And we're definitely going to cover that um, soon on the show because I, whenever I've gone back to that concert, I absolutely adore it. I've never really sat down and watched the whole thing. And yeah, 25 times. So, um, you know, it was debuted... Back in around the time, um, people will be familiar with that uh, 87 100 Club show in London, England. Uh, then played it uh, a year, uh, 10 years later, including London. Um, they've played it in Sheffield. I was trying to see if they played it in the actual north of England. Sheffield is, is the north, so that does count, but not the distinct north, or I imagine they saw the foaming rivers. But um, yeah, I mean, that's mostly what the song is. Obviously, we do get quite a long... Kirk section so after the two choruses we pull back down into that essential riff we've got the war drums the song's given space to breathe you know Kirk at first is quite menacing uh, carving out shapes that octave idea things get chuggier and then he kind of drops in with a more comfortable wah piece um, wh- what do you make of his solo section overall? Uh, I really do like the solo he does on the song uh, It to me it adds a lot because on the original there's um, there are there are no solos at all yeah they're just kind of some keyboard noises and stuff in that section and to me kirk uh adds a lot with his solo in that part of the song mm-hmm. yeah it's uh you know the guitar tone on the original is awesome it's it's insane almost it's really caustic and dry and intimidating and the song's almost quicker and it's less groove driven um how would right. you how would you compare the two um 
I well the first the original version I would say um is kind of an industrial type of song mm. uh before there was really industrial actually because yeah. uh, they like I said they seem to be doing stuff that ministry did seven years later or six years later about um so they're really ahead of their time and Metallica kind of makes it a little bit more metal even though they add that kind of a little bit of the industrial vocal with the effects that they have on james's voice mm -hmm. yeah i mean sometimes with some of them like you know it's like when i've gone back to the misfit stuff it's like holy shit this sounds really different and then sometimes you know it's quite faithful this is somewhat in between and again i love that they recorded this song there's no way that i would have ever heard this song or i'm sure millions of other people have now been turned on to killing joke and killing joke is still out there you know touring i watched them play this song live on youtube i think it was like 2005 or 6 and they're like pause halfway through the song and the lead singer turns to the crowd and he's like who killed diana who killed david kelly and david kelly was kind of this famous guy over here that was investigating the wmdi and then was mysteriously suicided and you know he pauses and points to the crowd and then dips back into the weight and it's a pretty cool clip actually so it's um you know again it's not something that metallica play all the time <laughs> we're probably right. i mean to be fair it was last played just over a year ago in germany so it's it's likely that we might see this uh you know at the time of us recording this the australia tour has been postponed but they are doing those festival shows i'm not gonna say it's likely we'd see it there but it's not an impossibility i i wouldn't mind them busting that out Anytime I saw him either. <laughs> yeah. Have you uh, have you seen it live at all? I have not, unfortunately. Mm. I would definitely like to, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like I say, 25 times it's been performed, uh, you know, over about as many years. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's unlikely that it will be. As we always do, guys, we reach out to you at MetallicaPod. Uh, Abel Sanchez says, The first time I heard this song was in the Richard Linklater film, School of Rock. Such a heavy main riff. Now, Ralph, um, I'm a big fan of School of Rock. I haven't watched it for a few years. I don't remember this being in it. I must have just missed that, not being aware of it. I don't recall that either, but it's possible I, I missed it too. I mean, there's lots, I of, might have there's lots of rock in that. Might yeah. have to go back and watch the movie now. <laughs> yeah, it's a good excuse to. It's a good excuse. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll still say that scene in the classroom where he actually starts setting up the band and gets them playing Smoke on the Water, that, that's just legendary to me. Like, I think that's such yeah. a fun thing to watch. And it's so infectious and natural. It's like quite an iconic scene now. Like, obviously, when I was younger, whatever, School of Rock was a big film. But um, yeah, everyone loves School of Rock. And apparently, uh, apparently the weight is in School of Rock. So yeah, go check that out. John says, uh, love the 598 EP. This is what good, bad production sounds like. Not say anger. Phil says, I'm not sure if a five song EP can have a hidden gem. But with all the attention that Helpless and Last Caress get, the weight feels a little overlooked by most people, which is their loss, because it's an awesome cover. I love that crunchy opening riff. Gary says, heavy as hell. Dave says, original is a favourite of mine and the cover is no worse. Both are amazing. The bass line in particular is right up my street. Ken says, I love this tune. I saw them, I saw them play it in Union Day on New York uh, and love the crunch on the Garage Days. That was in 2004. And finally, Breadfan says, my favourite cover, all one of, great song. I mean, an outpouring of adoration there, Ralph, which isn't surprising for the weight. No, not at all. I think it, it deserves all of that. I really do. And, uh, you know, again, guys, get in touch with us, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. What do you think of the weight? What do you think of any of the songs we covered? At MetallicaPod on Twitter as well. Uh, we'll be back next week to cover Volturus. 
which is this kind of Metallica's new song that never got into any records. I'll be doing that with uh, Stephen. Uh, and then we've got Wasting My Hate coming up with Hands We've Already Recorded. And then we did it again. I got Metallicast on for that one. And that is the uh, Metallica Swizz Beats collaboration on the 2002 album Biker Boys. If you're not aware of that, of course, maybe you might not have been. But uh, yeah, go check out the way. I guess, Ralph, finally, anything you'd like to promote yourself? Or? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter at rcivetto.com. Uh, uh, and that's about it, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, you know, just a regular guy that likes Metallica, and that's about it. No, no, I mean, yeah, you like Metallica a lot. You like a fucking follow this guy on Twitter. Great entertainment, and like you, you, you like me as well. You're a connoisseur of like music podcasts. Yes, I am. <laughs> You've introduced <laughs> me to a lot of them, actually. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I saw you listen to Pod of Bing as well, the Sopranos podcast. Yep, I just listened to a couple episodes of that uh, recently. I think last night, actually. Did you li- did you listen to when he spoke to uh, AJ Rob Eiler? Yes, I. That was the. That was one of the episodes I just listened to. Yeah, that was a terrific was episode. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, any anyone out there is into Sopranos at all, like me and Ralph, I'm sure there's millions out there. Uh, go check out Podabing. Really, really good podcast. But um, as always, guys, Patreon is there, iTunes, Spotify, all that sort of stuff. Ralph, thanks again for your time. This has been great. All right. Thanks for having me on again. <laughs>